Welcome to Covenant's Pulpit Ministry. Covenant Evangelical Free Church believes that the Bible is the Word of God and that God's Word is vital for life-transforming Christianity. We trust that you will grow to know the Word of God and more importantly, the God of the Word as you hear this message today. May God bless you as you open your heart to His Word. So Bill walks into his boss's office one day uh, and says, you know, boss, I need to have a straight talk with you. I know times are bad. The economy is not doing well. But I've got three companies coming after me. And so uh, I respectfully like to ask for a raise. And so after some time of haggling, after some time of negotiation, uh, they came to a happy conclusion. And, and Bill left uh, the office with a 5% pay rise. That's good, isn't it? Now, as he was leaving the office, the, the boss turned to him and says, uh, by the way, Bill, which companies are after you? So Bill turned around, looked his boss in the eye and said, the water company, the electric company, and the phone company. <laughs> so why do we go to work? We go to work to pay the bills, isn't it? But is that the only reason we go to work? And this morning from the text, I, I want to present to us a theology of, of work. How does God see work? This thing that we are involved in, so much of our adult life, how can we understand work as God sees it? So before we carry on, I'd like to invite you to close your eyes, bow your heads. We come before the Lord and invite Him uh, into our presence. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You so much for the worship we had just now. We could honour You, we could bless You, we could praise You. We thank You also for the gift of work. So often work becomes that weight, that burden that hangs over us. And we look forward to weekends, holidays, anything that will take a break from work. This morning, we pray you help us to see work as you see it, so that we may regain that compass and work in such a way to bring your kingdom to pass on earth as it is on heaven. So help us, Lord, to be your true workers. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Welcome to Covenant's Pulpit. Many of you know we are preaching through the book of 2 Thessalonians. We are coming to a close in chapter 3 right now. There are three situations in the book of Thessalonians. The young Christians were faced with continued persecution, fake news that Jesus had returned, and some form of misbehavior. And this morning, we're looking at this kind of misbehavior. As a matter of fact, last Sunday, uh, Pastor Tony has very shared this kind of misbehavior. So what is this misbehavior? The word that uh, the Apostle Paul used, and we're going to show on the screen right now, in the Greek is the word ataktos, ataktos. And ataktos, in your translation in ESV, is translated as idol, idol. These people were idol. And so we can leave the text thinking that these people, you know, they're just not doing anything. They were idle. But according to uh, Dr. Gordon Fee, uh, the Bible scholar, unfortunately, he recently also passed away. He says that they're not just idle, but they're actually idle disruptors. They weren't just not doing anything. They were doing the wrong thing. So allow me a local translation. You know, in Hokkien, when someone doesn't do any work, huh? so in Hokkien, we, we call the person Zobo. Huh? He's not doing anything. But in this situation, it's not just Zobo, they're Zoluan. Okay, Zoluan translated is that they're troublemaking. So if you have a Hokkien translation of the Bible, when you come to this word, ataktos, it's probably Zobo and Zoluan together. Okay, so we get the idea what's happening down here. They were free, they were meddling in the business of other people they shouldn't be meddling in. And so Paul addresses them. Paul addresses them. So what does he say to them? Would you turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3? Three verses this morning, three short verses this morning. We're looking from verse 10 all the way to verse 12. 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 10 to 12. And this is what God's Word says. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. 
If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Verse 12. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and earn their own living. So this is what the Apostle Paul says. How are we to understand and unpack this text? So allow me to show you. Uh, in this text, there are two words that are repeated uh, in here. It's the word command. And so the Apostle Paul says, when we were with you before this letter was written, we came and we told you huh, uh, that if you don't work, you don't eat. Okay? So the issue of work was already present long ago. Now, in this current letter, he addresses these attacks huh, and says, hey guys, please work quietly. Stop being a busybody. Don't mess around. Get on with your work. Earn your own keep. So he addresses two groups of people. But there's another word that's very key in this text we've just read. I'm going to ask the team to show. And it's not just twice, but it occurs three times in this text. In these three verses, it occurs the word work. The whole theme is about work. How do we work? How do we work? And so this morning, what we're going to do is I'm going to briefly share the text but I'm going to apply the text most of the time. What do I mean by that? This morning, I want to share with you working God's way. Working God's way. That's why we've entitled this morning's message, Working God's Way. I'm giving to us what I call a theology of work. A theology of work and applying this text. You think about it, all of us work. All of us work. How do we work? You think the average lifespan of a Singaporean is 84 years old. And re-employment recently has been up in 1st July 2022, from 67 to 68 years old. So if you begin work, let's say in your early 20s, let's say 24 years old, you work a good 44 years of your life. 44 out of 84 is more than half of our living uh, is spent in work. Isn't it important for us to have some understanding of how God sees work? That's why we are going to talk about this. And this morning, I'd like to present to you from this text, the application of it, Two ways how we can work God's way. The first is we need to move from the clock to the compass. Secondly, from busyness to being a blessing. From the clock to the compass, from busyness to blessing. Let's look at the first, moving from the clock to the compass. In verse 10, this is what God's words say. For even when we were with you, we gave you this command, if anyone don't work, don't eat. This is Paul's simple theology of work. No worky, no eaty. You don't work, you go hungry. It's his theology, it's his understanding of, of the nature of work. Work is necessary for life. Now, what's the primary metaphor for most of us as hard-working Singaporeans? When we, when we come to work, what's the primary metaphor? Give you a few moments to think. Huh? If someone to ask you, you say, wow, so philosophical, uh, spare me, uh, Pastor. <laughs> but whether we like it or not, the primary metaphor for life for most of us is time. It's time. We need to be on time for the meeting. We need to uh, clock in. We need to clock out. We work overtime. We need to beat the deadline on time. Do, do you see that sense? When it comes to work, most of us, the primary metaphor is that of a clock. The tick-tock, 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 tick-tock. And whether we, we know it or not, there's this tick-tock, 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 tick-tock inside of us. Uh, not the social media, but you know, just that, 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 that clock. And in that tick-tocking, in that movement, uh, many of us feel very compressed and pressed and pushed by this. You know, something very horrific happened uh, two weekends ago. I, I think it was the end of October uh, in Seoul, Korea. Many of us know of it. it it's the terrible crash at Itaewon. I think over 100 and 
50 people died and over close to 200 people were injured in this crush. It's apparently a very narrow alley with, with three ways to enter and exit. But for whatever reason, there was this great crush down there. Now, what is even more horrific is if the people were crushed uh, because there was a, a bomb going off somewhere, so they were running away trying to escape, maybe we can understand. Or maybe there was a terrorist shooting people, so everyone was squeezing, running away, we can understand. Or a fire, they're trying to escape from a fire. But none of these, you know, <laughs> none of this. And you look at this situation and say, what happened? What happened? Why would people just squish and push and, until people die? Not one, not two, hundred and fifty over people died in that squeeze. This, I, I think, it's a picture. It's also another metaphor of what it means to live by the clock. We feel being pushed along, pushed along, pushed along. Behind you, your boss pushing you. <laughs> You're pushing the rest of the bit. You're pushing things along. You feel push, push, until we come to a place you feel so suffocated and we cannot breathe. And, and, and by and large, many of us feel that way in our work. That's why I see that picture is, is unfortunate, it's horrific, but many of us feel that push and crush. How can we live? Is there another way to live? This morning I present to you, rather than the clock, we can have a compass. A compass asks the why question, gives us a direction question, and the purpose question when it comes to work. This morning I want to share with you, I believe there can be a compass, a theology of work. How do we see work so that we can live our lives not according to this tick-tock, 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 makes us crush, feel push, and to live in a, a way of freedom that God intends for work to be. So, just as there is a compass, has four cardinal points, north, south, east, west, so I'd like to share four things for us to consider concerning work. So what's the first cardinal point? Uh, and you can show the slide, is that work is created by God. Work is created by God. We see that in Genesis 1.28, and over the text, uh, let me just show you, it says, uh, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Now this is the fun part, huh? And then after that, it says, And fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So this idea of subduing it and having dominion, it's work. It's God's first assignment, right at creation. You know, sometimes you think, wow, work is so terrible. It must be from the devil. No, it's not. It's God's idea. God designed for us to work as, as human beings. And right here, that's the assignment. This idea of dominion, subduing, it requires work. It requires effort. Now, those of you who are more thoughtful will say, if God designed work, how come it is so crushing, it is so pressing, how come I feel so compressed? Because the current world that we live in, the kind of work that you and I experience daily, is not the work that God intends. Something happened, work became distorted. How do we see that? In Genesis 3, 17 to 19, again, the screen, we show you the text. And to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten of the tree which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth to you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. Till you return to the ground, for out of it you were thinking. And many of us can experience that literally by the sweat, by our sweat. Work is done, we get our remuneration, and we move on to another day. That's, that's why work is like this. But the good news is that for those of us who are followers of Jesus, this is not the end. See, God is coming back. There's a parousia. He's coming back again. And when He comes in the great restoration, in the great renewal, all these will be transformed. Work will be creative. Work will be thriving. Work will be life-giving again. Some of you say, hey, pastor, what, what do you mean? You mean there's work 
uh, the new heavens and new earth. Uh, I'm looking forward to leisure, you know. <laughs> yes, there will be worship in the new heavens and new earth, but I believe because restoration is a restoration of the original intent of God, isn't it? I believe work will still be there. If that is the case, uh, I for one like to be given the opportunity to learn woodworking. I want to use my hands, learn what does it mean to be a carpenter, create things out of wood. That's for me what I'm looking forward to, besides worship of God in the new heavens and the new earth. What about you? And God not just created work, He created work in a pattern. It's not working all the time. There is a Sabbath rest as well. And we will apply this later. But the first cardinal point is work is created by God. It is good. The second cardinal point is this. Work is cultivation for God. Work is cultivation for God. What do I mean by that? You see, God took man, He put him in a garden, and then He says, you work the garden. You pause a moment, it is very strange, you know. Because God who created the world, He can do anything, you know. If He wants to cultivate the garden, He snapped His finger, then all the plants will grow, you know. Don't need you and I, ma. But God chose to use an intermediary, human beings made in His image, to do that work, to bring Him glory. And so you ask ourselves, hey, but pastor, my work not gardener, eh? I'm in a civil service. I'm in the law courts. What do you mean by gardening? What do you mean by cultivation? It's not just cultivation of the physical environment. It's cultivation of the social environment, the spiritual environment around us. Because as human beings, we bring God into that situation to create an environment where human beings can thrive. How does it look like? So let me share a story. So uh, I know of this covenantal. Uh, she was put into a department and it was not easy to work in that department. Uh, because there were cliques in the department. Some of you have been in places like that. If you're not part of a clique, you're dead, isn't it? Because you've got no protection. <laughs> you're just, uh, you know. But she refused to play the game because she said, this is not good. You know, this is not the right environment. But because you're not in a clique, it's very difficult. People don't cooperate with you and all this kind of stuff. It's tough. And she asked a lot. For the first three years, she almost felt like quitting. And said, God, this is, this is very difficult. This is very difficult, you know. And the Lord says, no, don't move. This is my place for you. This is my calling for you. Stay down there. She stayed on. She stayed on. And instead of being angry with the people, instead of retaliating, instead of playing the game, instead of doing all the nasty things that people were doing to her, she chose to do quite the opposite. She chose to love the people, be kind, be generous, help, serve, do all these kinds of things for these people. And you know what? Bit by bit, now it's about, from what I'm aware, about seven, eight years, uh, this person, and the environment has changed. Praise God, she's cultivated a different environment. The people now, they are more willing to work together, the cliques, uh, the people there. At least they are not BFF, huh? but at least they respect her. They respect her and they work together. That's what it means for us to be placed in a place to cultivate the environment, to make it more habitable for not just human beings, but for the presence of the living God. So wherever you are, my friends, army camp, in the home, how are you cultivating an environment? which is more conducive for the presence of God and for human thriving. What is work? Work is created by God. It's cultivation for God. The third cardinal point is, it is contribution to others. It's contribution to society. You look at a, a, a sanctuary like this, filled with different ones of people with tremendous giftings. Every Sunday I come, I sit and I listen to the worship team. And I'm honestly envious these guys, they put their hands onto the keys and it just oh, it's like melts into it and then this beautiful music come out, you know, the keyboarders, the basses, the drummer, and it's just so wonderful. They're contributing in their area of gifting. I, I can't do anything. You put me on the keyboard, there'll be no church. Everyone will leave and die. 
we, we've got our AV team at the back. They, they, are, they, are, they are tuned, they've tuned their ears. You know, I, I look at a big board in front of me, I don't even know where to start, you know. They are able to tune so that we can have that environment to worship the Lord. Some of you are incredible with numbers. You look at a spreadsheet, you're able to see all these kinds of things. I look at a spreadsheet and I, I fall over from a heart attack. I can't do an Excel spreadsheet to save my life, really. I can do a little bit of a PowerPoint and I'd be decent in it, but that's why I die. See, all of us are gifted differently, and it's okay. Because in that multifold talent and gifting, God has designed for us to work together, to contribute to one another, so that society thrives. So the question is, in your work and place, how are you contributing to that? I'm not talking about just for profits only, you know. I think there are good businesses, for-profit businesses, uh, that actually contribute to the good of society. So wherever we are, we need to ask, Lord, you've placed me here. How am I contributing to the thriving of society? Now, I know for many of us, we have a dream. We have a dream. Not the Martin Luther King Jr. kind, but we have a dream. And the dream is this. One day, pastor, I will earn a lot of money. Or I'll earn enough so that I can... What's the word? Retire. <laughs> Retire for what? Retire so you don't work lah. And that's it. See, we want to, uh, sorry, use another Hokkien word, uh, kiao ka, uh, which basically means we put our legs in uh, and then we relax, uh, we, we chillax. Okay, we want to do that because work is tiresome and burdensome. We want to do that. Now, here's the testimony I, I, I saw from a young man. It's from the internet and let me read this to you. It's on the screen also. It says, in June 2012, at 34 years old and after 13 years of working in investment banking, I wanted out. So I decided to negotiate a severance, retire early, and live off passive income through my rental properties, stock dividends, and e-book sales. But just one year in, I realized that the life of travel and leisure I thought I had wanted wasn't for me. Huh? What? What, what are you saying? Isn't this the life? He said, I found myself bored and felt a loss of identity. Wait a minute. How many of you 34 years old can retire? Don't show your hands. <laughs> Really, how many of you at 34 years old can retire? This is living the dream, isn't it? For many of us, wow, 34 years old, my goodness, I've got a whole 60 years to do whatever I want. His last statement, I needed an outlet and wanted to do what? Work. <laughs> that I, I was personally invested in. We say, wait a minute. I thought this is the life. How come we like that? Because God has hardwired work into us to contribute to society. When we stop working, when we stop contributing meaningfully, we lose our sense of identity. Does that make sense? So it is not work that we are fighting against. It's asking ourselves, what are we actually contributing to the good that has a purpose and a meaning in life? That's the question God is asking us. And we must ask ourselves as well. So the three cardinal points, work as created by God, work as cultivation for God, work as contribution to society, and with the third, work as calling from God. Work as calling from God. You see, friends, I reject the notion that only full-timers must have a calling from God. Oh, you're going full-time, you must have a calling from God. No, I, I agree, eh? I agree because full-timers in that sense, we are, our, 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 the nature of our work is a little bit more direct with God and therefore in that sense, uh, don't, don't mess with it. Eh? Unless God calls you in, don't, don't, don't do it. And, and that's true, that's important. But it doesn't mean that just because you're not full-time, you don't have a calling. I believe bankers must have callings. I believe grab drivers must have callings. I believe teachers must have callings. I believe army regulars must have callings. Because if not, why are you doing there? What are you doing there? Calling is very important. It's the major part of our life is spent in work. We need to ask ourselves, 
Is this where I'm supposed to be? You know, when you and I come to God and say, God, what is my calling? Calling, calling, calling. What, what is my calling? You know what are we saying to God? We're saying to God, God, what is your will for me? Isn't that what calling means? God, what's my calling? What do you want me to do? Is it this job? Is it that job? Is it okay? You, you see what I mean? When we come before the Lord and ask, Lord, what's my calling? You're saying, God, what is your best for me? What is your will for me? And men and women, anytime we stop and invite God into our lives, that cannot be wrong. That cannot be wrong. As a matter of fact, it honours God. That's what it means to live as a disciple. Not just on Sunday, but 24-7-365, we follow Jesus. That's why calling is important. Where you are right now, do you know for sure that's where God has called you to? Because that is the compass. That is the compass. God has given us this wonderful sense of creation, of something that we can cultivate for Him as a contribution to society to fulfill His calling in our lives. Now, in my many conversations with different ones, you know, when we ask, why are you moving on to this particular job or you're shifting or whatever, and so I be candid with us, many times what motivates and moves us is the dollar sign. They pay me more here. More perks here. I got C-suite here. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. If God has called you to this area, to this C-suite, by all means, do it. If, provided God has called you. Does that make sense? Nothing wrong. These are not wrong things. But if your primary motivation is the dollar, and then you end up feeling breathless, crushed, compressed, your life taken away, you know the company pay you more, you know what they're asking from you? They're asking your soul, you know. No, that's true. You're a slave to them. You think money come free, ah? They pay you so much, they expect so much from you. And so you need to ask yourself, is this God's calling? Again, ah, if God call you, then by all means. Ah, but if not, and you're just working on that, no wonder you feel crushed. No wonder we feel crushed. No wonder we feel this way. Allow me to read a text. It's, it's not a very nice text, but it's important because this is what God's Word says. And as Singaporeans, we need to hear this. This comes from 1 Timothy 6, 8-10. This is important because, you know, for, for many Singaporeans, our primary measure of success is material. How do I know you're successful? Oh, look at the car you drive. How do I know you're successful? Look at the area you live in. How do I know you're successful? It's just primary material. And God is telling us we need to shift. Look at what it says in 1 Timothy 6, 8-10. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Friends, this morning God offers us an opportunity to redirect our lives. You can live according to the clock or you can live according to the compass. His way of looking at life and work. And this is a way of freedom, the way of God, the way of blessing. Or we can choose to continue this and pierce ourselves with many a pang if we live according to the clock. How do we work God's way? God says you need to move from the clock to the compass. We move to the second point now, from busyness to being a blessing, from busyness to being a blessing. And this is the last two verses, allow me to read for you in 2 Thessalonians 3, 11 to 12. It says, For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now such people we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly 
and to earn their own living. Allow me to exegete the text for you. Very simply, this is what Paul says to the church. These people that are tucked away in Thessalonica. He's saying, be meaningfully occupied so that you don't meddle in people's business. Be busy. Be busy at work so that you can earn your own keep. That's the exegesis. It's very clear and simple. Now we need to ask ourselves, what's the situation in Thessalonica? And, and we've just said that these people, they were not busy. They were in fact idling. And in their idleness, they were messing around with everybody's business. So Paul tells them, hey guys, get busy. Now we are Singaporeans, huh? We listen to this, uh, say, really so busy already. <laughs> what do you mean get busy, you know? How on earth does this apply to us, right? So we look at the text and we scratch our head. Uh, uh, Paul, are we already busy already? How? You know what the Apostle Paul is saying down here? He's saying, why they need to be? Because the context is these people are not busy, isn't it? They are occupied in everything else. And so Paul says, be busy. Why? So that you can be a blessing. A blessing to your church, a blessing to society. You earn your own keep. You don't sponge off other people. That's what it means, isn't it? So let me apply this idea of being blessing to us. If the Apostle Paul looks at us uh, and says, eh, eh, Singaporean situation, do you know what he'll say? He says, you, are, you guys are too busy to be a blessing. <laughs> These people, they were free. They could meddle in other people's lives. For most Singaporeans, uh, we are too busy to be engaged in other people's lives. Am I right or am I right? We are so busy, we are so engaged, we are so everything. We have no time. Don't just talk about other people's life. Our own family's life. Our children. Our spouse. What's happening? We are over-engaged. So let me apply this to us. From busyness to blessing. How does it apply? Let me give two arenas. One in the church and one in the marketplace. So in the church, huh? all of us here, how does it apply to you and I in the church? You know, the last two years was significant. The pandemic was a test. It is a storm, I believe, that tested all the churches, all the world. Everything was just tested. In Covenant, we are supposed to be a disciple-making church of a certain kind. We were tested too. Now, we are grateful that when the storm passed and we looked around, there were some foundations around. We are grateful for those. Thank God for those. But there was a major foundation, I think, that was very glaring. Very, very glaring. And I think God is drawing our attention to that. What is this foundation that was very weak that I think was really, in, in some sense, were not present there. And I think it's the foundation of relationship. You see, the church, in some sense, covenant, we are no busy from the rest of the world. No, no busy. No different, sorry. <laughs> Trip of the slung. <laughs> we are no different from the rest of the world. We are just as busy. The world is running at this rate. We are also running at this rate. We are trying to catch up. And we'll never catch up because that's the clock, is it? That's not how we're supposed to run. We are supposed to run by the compass. So how, how does that work out? In our busyness, you see, busyness and the building of relationships are opposite directions. Don't you think so? Busyness and building of relationships are opposite directions. So one of the things that's revealed is we have relationships, but by and large, they're superficial. No different from the rest of the world. And this is scary, you know. <laughs> Tell you why it's scary. Because what is the work of the church? Say, church also got work, man. Yeah, what's the work? What's God's purpose for the church? For, for you and I, this morning we had membership acceptance. These new people wanted to be members of this church. They were crazy. Why are you only members of the church? They wanted to be members. So many of them, they stood here. Why? Why do you want to be members of the church? What's the purpose? What's the work of the church? 
to understand that, we need to ask in the Old Testament, uh, what's the purpose of Israel? See, there were many gods in those days. There's the Baal, Ashtoreth, all the gods of Egypt and everything. And, and people are, which is the real God? They, they look, look at Israel. Look at this God that performs incredible, mighty deeds. Look at the laws that they have, how they're living their lives. I'm not saying that they do that, but that's supposed to be. And people are, surely God is among them. There, there, look at that. How, how, how does the world know that there is a God? And which is the real God? Look at Israel. That was Old Testament. We come to today. What about us? What about us as a church here? What's the question that's asked? The question is asked is which is not which is the real God. No, the question we ask is where got God? Is where got God? Where got God in this world? That's the question most people ask, isn't it? Where is God? You know what's the correct answer? The correct answer is someone's supposed to stand up and say, hey, look at this bunch of people called the church. They are not related by blood, you know. But they love one another. Truly God must be among them. My friends, that's how we testify to the reality of God. Again, I'm not saying we are like that. As a matter of fact, I'm saying we are far from that. We are far from that. That's the work of the church. So I bring this before you, my friends, in our small groups, in our covenant groups, our discipleship group, our mentoring group, in our breakthrough weekends, in our gens camp, in our IDT, in our whatever we have, all the programs we have. And we need to have those programs because they are platforms. What are they for? If you're just there to go through the program, then I, I think you've missed the point. Eh? It's not just to go through the program. But if you're there to help one another, encounter God through loving one another, and thus fulfill the mission of the church, that's what it means, see, my friends. That's what it means. And busyness doesn't help. Busyness doesn't help. We must come to the place and say, I make this space living life intentionally, Pastor Tony's sermon last Sunday, intentionally be present with someone, pay attention, listen. The trouble with most of the time we listen to someone is to solutionize. Uh, that's a Singaporean disease. Uh, we listen to one, you tell me something, I solve your problem. Most people don't want us to solve the problem. Most people want someone just to listen and to know me. If we don't know someone, how can we love another person? So my friends, in your small groups and whatever, in all the platforms we have, we need to ask ourselves, how can we be a blessing by being present and listening, knowing who that person is, so that we can love the person. That's the work of the church. We move from the church to the marketplace. Huh? Many of you, most of us are involved in the marketplace. So how does it apply? So what's the common thing in the marketplace now? Work-life balance. Work-life balance, isn't it? I'm all for work-life balance. So I heard this story. In China, there was a company that was marketing itself as a family-friendly company. And how did it market itself as a family-friendly company? It says, come work with us. We are family-friendly. We only work 996. What is 996? 996 is 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. six days a week. Family-friendly company, 996. Why? Because the rest of the China companies are 997. Now, that's, that is the clock. That is the way the world works. You have no, no work-life balance. And I agree, because our lives are not primarily just for work. There is a calling involved inside down there. So what do we do? What do we do? I present to you two very simple steps. We need to move from busyness to the balance. So work-life balance. So my question is, what is balance? What is balance? You cannot balance or six days a week or five days a week I'm working. How do we balance? 
I, I think the balance is coming to the place to recognize who's really in control. Who's really in control? Because, because, remember we talked about the cardinal points? It is God who created work. And can we trust God to be the Lord in our life? Meaning this, one simple question for balance. Uh, yes, it's good to have a day where um, you know, you're, you're kind of not doing work. It's called the Sabbath. God created the Sabbath. God created the Sabbath. By that, I don't mean you have to keep strictly 24 hours to 24 hours. I'm not saying that. It's the Sabbath principle. And for many of us, because work is just so preoccupying, just so overwhelming, when it comes to this Sabbath thing, it's a struggle to keep the Sabbath. As a person, we are here, but our minds are far away. And for some of you just woken up, yes, I'm talking about you. No, it's true. You're here in the church service and you're concerned because there's a project coming up, there's a thing, there's a deadline coming up. It's not necessarily wrong. But do you know what the Sabbath is, friends? The Sabbath is coming to the place now, like to say, we are not God. We are not God. We are not God. God is God. I am not. Why? Because if God rests, uh, then who are you and I <laughs> not to rest? And by that, I mean coming to the place to surrender that work and that anxiety to the Lord. So I have a confession. Even as a full-timer, I struggle with the Sabbath. That was one of the areas the Lord taught me through the pandemic. Because in my desire to prove myself to be productive as a Singaporean, especially with, in the church setting, we overwork. We overwork. And God had to bring me to the place and say, No, guy, who are you? You're first my son, my servant. You have to keep the Sabbath. And God taught me, you know, the, the days where I broke the Sabbath, in other words, I just finished off the project and stuff like that. Uh, you know, the, the things just got messier and messier. But the, 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 the days where I really kept that time and said, Lord, this is sacred moments for you. And by that, I don't mean I just pray 24-7. Uh. No, uh, I, I do my housework, I sweep laundry and, and stuff like that. But that day, I free myself from the work. Now, I don't, it, it doesn't mean uh, if there's an emergency, I don't call, I, I don't answer, you know. Oh, it doesn't mean that. But we try to encourage each other to practice that. Why? Because it's a reminder. We are not in control. The Sabbath is God is in control. And it's not that I don't answer emails or WhatsApp. It's a reminder for myself. Do you know in the Old Testament, there are many ways that make the Jews distinct from the surrounding culture. Do you know what is one of the things that make them stand out? Besides circumcision. But you can't see circumcision, right? <laughs> Sabbath. These people are strange. One day they don't work, while the rest of society in the pagans, they carry on. The Sabbath marks them out as the people of the living God. What about you and I today? Modern Singaporeans, how do you keep your Sabbath? It will be different for different ones of you because some of you work shift. I understand that. I understand that. But you must find that sacred space where it's not just I don't do any work. No, it's I trust God. I trust God. God, I believe you are in control. And I tell you, my friends, the more I keep the Sabbath, the more things work out according to God's way. That's the first what it means to be balanced. We move on from not just work-life balance. Finally, I think God calls us to move from work-life balance to work-life blessing. To work-life blessing. When we are rested, we are able to be the blessing that God intends. How do we do that? How do we do that in our marketplace? Two years ago, during the pandemic, God did something amazing. He turned a group of invisible people to become visible in our nation. Do you remember what this group of people were? They were the migrant workers, isn't it? 
during the circuit breaker, the lockdown, suddenly realized, my goodness, there's a bunch of people not looked after, not cared for. And you know what? The churches, covenant, rose to the occasion. And many of you, many of you were involved. You woke early, you came, you, 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 you provided meals, you provided resources, you provided labor. You didn't throw them food. You stood there one by one. You handed out the food. I was there. I saw you guys. We were working together. I'm so proud of you. That's what the church is supposed to be. And that's what we did. And some of you continue those relationships till today. That's the church, my friends. That's what we are called to do. And friends, that's incredible. That's incredible. The invisible becoming visible. And so now when we walk past migrant workers, we, they are not invisible. We, we pay attention to them. So my question, how on earth to be a blessing in the midst of the busyness? Is, do you realize that in your working place, there are invisibles? There are invisible people? And you'll be surprised. Some of these could be your colleagues that you're working with. Because they are invisible in the sense you don't know them. You just want to get data, <laughs> get information. Why? So you get a job done. Say, hey, pastor, my company hired me to get a job done, not to love one another. Leh. It's true. It's true. I'm not saying therefore we, we don't do the job. We do the job, of course. We have hired for our competency. We are hired to produce. Yes, by all means, do that. But in the midst of it, would you allow God's Spirit to move you and say some of these guys that you don't know, men and women, you see, friends, our companies will disappear. Our IPOs, our portfolios, our, all our HRD, all staff development plan, all whatever it is, all the businesses, they will be blown away one day. And the people around us, only they will remain because human souls are eternal. The eternity either is with God or without God. And God has placed us there to cultivate an environment in His calling that perhaps some of these invisibles may become visible to us and therefore visible to God as well. God wants to move us from busyness to that balance of the Sabbath into that blessing. God invites us. That's what it means to work for God. Friends, today we have a choice either to work according to the clock or to work according to the compass. He invites us to move from busyness to be His blessing. Last Sunday, Pastor Tony ended uh, the sermon with a quotation from the late John Stott. Uh, this uh, morning, I also end with a quotation, but unfortunately not from the late John Stott, but from a lesser-known person. Some of you as literature students, uh, you may know this person. His name is Gerard Manley Hopkins. He's a Jesuit priest. He's a Jesuit priest. This is what he says concerning work. He says, It's not only prayer that gives glory to God. Smiting the anvil, sawing a beam, whitewashing a wall, driving horses, sweeping, scourging, everything gives God glory if, being in His grace, you do it as your duty. To go to communion worthily gives God great glory. To take food in thankfulness and temperance gives Him great glory too. To lift up the hands in prayer gives God great glory. But a man with a dung fork in his hand and a woman with a sop pill gives Him glory too. He is so great that all things give Him glory if you mean that they should. Men and women, that's what it means as followers of Jesus Christ. I believe many of us we want our lives to give God glory. And may you do so, especially in the area of your work. Let us pray. Let us pray. I give us a few moments just to quieten down, respond to the Lord. Friends, I believe the Lord has spoken from His text today. Work is not easy at all. Not for one minute. Not for one minute. Though I assume it is easy. But this morning, God gives us an opportunity to turn that around.
when we live according to His compass rather than run by the clock. So I want to give you an opportunity to respond because all of us work. All of us work. How do we work? God invites you to work His way. Invites you to work His way. And if that's the desire of your heart, with no one looking around, would you pray this prayer in your heart? Would you pray this prayer in your heart? Dear Jesus, dear Jesus, both on site here as well as online, dear Jesus, I don't want to waste my life away. I don't want to waste my life away. Lord, I wish to work your way. But Lord, it is so hard. It is so hard. Help me, Lord. Help me. This morning, by your grace, I choose to live by the compass rather than the clock. Help me, Lord, to move from busyness to being your blessing. God is here. He hears your prayers. If you pray that prayer, I'd like to pray for you. With no one looking around, with no one looking around, could you just raise your hands and put it down? Raise it up and put it down. Just raise it up and put it down. Just up and down. That's right, up and down. Just up and down. I'd like to pray for you. Up and down. That's right, up and down. That's right, up and down. Up and down. Right in the gallery as well. Right in the gallery as well. Father, you see all these hands raised before you. We come and we ask, Lord, that our lives be living sacrifices. That you pour your spirit afresh over us so that in our lives we understand work as your creation that you've called us there to cultivate an environment which is great for the thriving of human life we don't know how help us by your spirit Lord, that we may contribute to society and fulfill your calling in our lives in Jesus name we pray Amen Amen. shall we arise as we close with this song God I look to you God I look to you I look to you God, I look to you, I won't be overwhelmed, give me vision, to see things like you do, God, I look to you, you're where my help comes from, give me wisdom, you know just what to do.
spent some time listening to God's Word and we hope that the message has ministered to you. Should you require more assistance, kindly call 6892-6811 or you can visit us at www.cefc.org.sg for more sermon titles. God bless you in your spiritual pilgrimage ahead.